What does healing mean to you? What does healing mean to you? Revealing Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. Hey, Tony. Hey, Eric. We are here in Skype. Yes. I miss you being in the studio, I got to admit. I know. It's the times we live in. Uh, starting to feel a little cabin fever myself, but uh, fortunately, the weather has allowed us to get out and enjoy some fresh air. Yeah. It was nice going for a walk at the park the other day. It was nice. Yeah, remind me of old times when uh, we were both searching our souls for <laughs> a place to go. Right, right. I love that park. Downer Park, Columbus, Indiana. It's about yes. four blocks from each of our houses. So. Yep, neighborhood park. Yeah, right before Thanksgiving here, and we are giving thanks for our guests over the last two years. Yes, and exploring the subject of healing that we've explored with each of them, um, and they've approached it in different but sometimes common ways, sometimes overlapping. And we did do this before. That, that was October 2nd, 2019. That recording was episode 29. That was really well received, and we wanted to do the same sort of thing and, and cover the last two seasons. So mm -hmm. we are going to have about maybe 15 folks here. Let's do it. Well, we're kicking off with Amy Carey. Amy actually reached out to us. She has a podcast called A Girl I Know. Uh, as I was looking back, I actually wound up texting her last week, and she decided to to end her podcast because she felt the story was told. Her daughter had graduated from her program, and I think sort of for some privacy reasons, wanted to just leave it um, where, where she where she did. Um, Amy said she's in good spirits. Um, their family's doing really well. Uh, part part of that episode is we'd actually last year done a couple of healing stories, right? which were separate um, episodes that really focused on a story. Right. So in our podcast, she's episode 22, but she's also listed under Healing Story 1. And I, I really, you know, appreciate Amy's story because it was about um, her daughter being involved in wilderness therapy, which mm -hmm. before... Um, you know, the interview, I'd never really heard of that. Yeah. But that's a kind of a full exposure. You leave your family household to be gone for, you know, it could be weeks or months mm -hmm. to really help deal with some emotional issues, which your daughter was, you know, having to work through. Yeah, I found Amy's program um, very uh, 
edgy in a way. She very much has a, a definitive uh, outlook and healing for her was uh, was maybe very different than what it was for our other guests. Part of what I really took out of this was uh, Amy's you know, thoughts on how, as her daughter healed, how that helped heal some of the, the family dynamics, which was very nice. When asked the healing question, another thing that popped into my head was nurture, love, and caring. I'm really not sure you can heal from anything without it. A warm hug, a comforting blanket, encouraging words, a held hand, a friend. Repair, amends, strength, nurture, love, and hopefully success. I think that's healing to me. On episode 23, we had with us Kevin Moore, who is the director of the Indiana Division of Mental Health and Addiction um, Treatment. Uh, Kevin had served his lifelong profession in the realm of uh, public service. Uh, he is, in a sense, a bureaucrat, but also someone with great passion and a sense of calling. He talked some in the episode about his inspiration to serve in, in a governing capacity. And his response to the healing question was unique as well as someone who uh, looks at public policy and the role that can play in the lives of individuals and mm -hmm. more broadly in uh, a community context. Um, right. You think, well, one of the, you know, key questions here was, is addiction a mental illness, you know, yeah. and, and we were talking about that in terms of the opioid epidemic. So, you know, that that's kind of a up in the air idea, right? The criminalization mm -hmm. versus the treatment of, addiction. And I, I thought he did a good job of talking about that. So healing doesn't necessarily to me mean absence of pain, because I don't think we can promise that to anybody. I think healing is um, uh, myself included helping people to um, understand what that is, understand where that pain might come from, whether it's addiction pain or mental illness, and to understand the options available to them in order for them to minimize um, the impact of that pain on their daily life. Um, it could be psychic pain, it could be physical pain, it could be addiction pain. Um, but to understand kind of where that comes from, um, I think is, is certainly an important part of the healing process. Um, the other thing I firmly believe is every individual needs to define what it means for them to be healed um, or to be healthier, for them to be better. Um, that's certainly not for me to make that value judgment, um, because if I do, I'm seeing that through my lens of what healthy looks like and what better looks like. And I don't know that individual story. Episode 24, we welcome Don Adams, who has served in the capacity of director for uh, Food for Souls Homeless Ministry. Um, Don operates from a faith uh, position a faith background um, and also has a real heart for people who are homeless and find themselves in need of uh, both housing and special services. They uh, provide meals on the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, Don does not have a complete approach to mental 
uh, health in terms of a primary focus, but certainly those who are homeless often are uh, men mentally ill, and so she certainly has encountered in her ministry um, that facet of uh, individuals. But I think she's commented on the episode that it was really a learning curve for her yes. to um, have people in her life, in her ministry, who struggled with mental health. I love this question. And when I hear healing, the first thing that comes to mind to me is it means a time where I can be still and fully present with myself, my past and my now. It is a time I can be honest and and really reflect upon incidents that have, that have taken place in my life, how I dealt with them, and how I overcame. I think not just in the past, but even now in the season I'm currently in, I, I tackle different emotions that I may be feeling or issues that I'm facing, and, and I just allow myself to stop and navigate through the firing range of a thoughts in my head and and I really try to take captive the negative and the worry and and the what ifs. And and I look towards the positive and the joy and the why nots. And and I really give myself permission, you know, that to indulge in the moments of stillness. And without these times of being still and, and fully present, I can't heal. I, I just can't do it. So I just, I keep my myself more, I guess you would call it in, in an antagonistic state instead of peace. So it is within healing that I found that one can really refresh the spirit, the soul, and the body. And that, that's what I feel like healing means to me. In episode 25, we interviewed Cam Stout. Uh, I know Cam through the Stability Network and actually met him out in San Francisco a couple of years ago. And he is um, you know, a public speaker who uh, comes out of actually the legal profession. And he, he's battled some very severe uh, depression throughout his life and actually goes into a very detailed account of going through ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. And I just really found that story moving, you know, for his uh, vulnerability to be able to share in such detail what that was like. Yeah, I could identify a lot with Cam. He's, like you said, is very vivid, even describing the smell of ECT, and um, but come a long way and uh, um, is, is on some stable ground. Mm-hmm. And he, he does a great job speaking for the Stability Network. Um, I encourage our listeners to check that out. One of the key statements of the Stability Network is mental health conditions are health conditions. Uh, you know, they're not a character flaw or weakness. You know, and he really um, speaks to that throughout the episode. Healing means a couple of things to me. One of them is somehow... Having, you know, having a SEAL team that puts you, that gets you to the resources you need to feel better so that, the, that your world goes from being black and white to technicolor again. 
so that you have the energy to start building your foundations of self-care. So that's the first thing. The next is to start along that path of self-care. So you're doing the things that I just described. And above all else is developing the, a better way, I guess, of looking at life, of working in the service of other people, sharing stories, and being present, um, and understanding that as you heal, um, it's going to be a real slow process, and you know the psychic wounds, the, the edges are going to knit together, but there's always going to be a scar there, and it's always going to be there to remind you of how difficult life can be and how blessed it can be. And to have this understanding that we all, I don't mean to sound like Yoda and the Force, but I really believe we are surrounded by some sort of love that we're trying to tap into. And we're trying to open doors to meet other people in that in that circle of love. And um, that, to me, that ability to go from self-pity and self-involvement to reaching out to work in the service of others, uh, that is true healing to me. Our next guest was on episode 27, Deborah Giesling. Um, Deborah and I met on the Facebook group Advocates for Persons with uh, Mental Illness. She has a ministry called P82, standing for Psalm 82. So she uh, operates from a point of view of faith, as well as being a mother of a young man with a severe mental illness. She has seen healing in her son a great deal as he uh, was volatile at one point, even attacking the family. Um, and she has worked hard to find a place for him to be safe and to keep others safe. And she has some things to say, I think, that are very wise and fruitful for ministries. Uh, they have a good experience with how their church has responded mm -hmm. to her son. And uh, that's good for all of us to know as far as promoting healing. Yeah. And she has, you know, as part of, P82 project restoration, you know, the goal of building a home where there's a very faith-based perspective on right. having a, a home for people who, who deal with severe mental illness. Yeah, it's a great goal. I just want to give it in two quick parts. Uh, first of all, the healing to me is, I think our greatest need is to be reconciled to God. And so that is at the forefront of of my heart and my mind all the time and and now the second part the reason why i have a second part is because i because we can just you know people can think oh you just you just want to talk about eternity and and don't just forget about the people that are living here right now <laughs> you know let just just hang on until eternity um god cares about what's happening right now god cares about my son and other people like him. His, his heart is for the marginalized. His eye, it's clear throughout scripture. And so healing to me is, I mean, I think about my son and, and I know God can heal him. And I, I pray, you know, God, I, 
I'd love for God to just miraculously heal him, but that's not happening. And so what is the best possible quality of life my son could have? And what is the best possible quality quality of life these other individuals that we see on our streets, that we see, that we know are in our prisons and in solitary confinement? Is that really the best we can do? And I don't believe it is. I don't even believe we are up to baseline of where these individuals should be. We're below baseline. And that is a tragedy. And so to me, healing is how how can we serve this population and help them to get to that point where they have a life with dignity? And that's and that's what I'm hoping for my son. Paul is our second healing story, and Paul is also a member of the Stability Network. He's actually a, a coach that helps people develop their own uh, mental health advocacy stories. That's a big part of the Stability Network for each person to develop the confidence to share within their workplace, with the, within their friend groups, churches, to be able to speak for those who have a hard time you know, sharing you know, how society can better appreciate those who have mental health struggles. And Paul has a, a website, freshgroundstories.com. He does uh, kind of like moth radio hour storytelling uh, through coffee shops in the Seattle area. And so he shares one of his stories, which is really getting to the core of some healing that he received uh, after a breakup, after a you know a long-term relationship ended. Yeah, I think Paul was a great example of what we had hoped to find in healing stories, not only sharing his own healing story, but also, as you say, coaching others to share theirs. Yes. I guess it makes sense that no matter, no matter what anyone gave me, it was never enough. Because it'll never be enough until I fill that emptiness inside me with my own love and my own gifts. And as I was thinking this, the strangest question came to me. What would I do if I already felt that way? I would send her love and wish her well. It was the only thing I could think of. So I just sat there repeating those words in my head. Send her love and wish her well. Send her love and wish her well. But when I finally opened my eyes, I wasn't shaking anymore. My breathing was slow and steady. I looked at my watch and saw that I'd been sitting there for 20 minutes. It was the safest 20 minutes of my life. For this one tiny moment in time, I had everything I needed. I wish I could say I'd been living that way ever since, but I can't. I've only been able to catch glimpses of that place since that day on the bench, but sometimes I get close, and it reminds me that it's possible to get there again. And when I think of Carol now, I say thank you, because I wouldn't have found that place without her. All my life, there's been a monster inside me that chews up all the love I'm given and whispers, it's not enough, it's not enough. That monster doesn't live there anymore. I kicked him out that day. And every now and then he shows up and wants to move back in, but I tell him, no, there's no room for you here anymore. 
then I send him love and wish him well. On episode 28, we have with us Jonathan Rohde, who serves as a police captain in Bartholomew County. Uh, <clears throat> he spoke of the role of law enforcement as they intersect with uh, encounters of people with mental illness, some of the challenges facing them as we uh, as they attempt to provide both safety and uh, service for people in those you know in those uh, experiences. Um, Jonathan is now a judge, so he has a lot to to do in terms of providing care for the community as well as also um, enhancing um, the lives of people impacted by mental illness. Mm -hmm. We also touched on the opioid epidemic again on, on this episode. Uh, we talked about how, you know, his department all went through mental health first aid, you know, and how mm -hmm. that impacted some of their core competencies. Uh, this was done before a lot of the 2020 defund the police type national discussion. It would be interesting to talk to him about how that has impacted the department here in town. I will say, you know, just based on this episode, you know, he recognized that sometimes uh, officers are expected to do a lot of things that are probably out of their job description in a way, right? He had a very humble approach and very insightful very strong healing stories as well. I'm glad he's going to be a judge here in Bartholomew County. I thought, well, they probably want to know what healing means to me as police chief. And, mm -hmm. and to me, that means um, how do we take people that have committed a crime and come up with an individualized plan to make them productive citizens in our community? Um, again, uh, if I'm thinking of, uh, if, if my definition of healing is correct, is, is a process of getting well. Mm -hmm. um, somebody that has, has done something wrong and has a consequence, and what's the process of getting that person well um, to where they're being productive in our community. On episode 30, we have Sepi Zabala. The episode is called Sepi Zabala Loves Jazz. Sepi's a lot of fun. She's from California. I also met her uh, when... I visited the Stability Network. She was our first person of color um, on the podcast, and um, she is Iranian. You know, being able to hear her talk about, you know, in that culture, there not being a lot of recognition of mental illness, and so some of the struggles she had with her family as she come to the realization that she really needed, um, you know, treatment for for her illness. Um, wide-ranging uh, interview. Uh, she talked about um, workplace accommodations. You know, that was an interesting conversation we've only had a couple times on our show. It's, it's like coming back from the pain. Like healing implies right away that there's been a trauma, there's been a hurt, like you've fallen, right? Like you've fallen, someone has, or someone has fallen on top of you, like one or the other. Like you've either you know, tripped and fallen or gotten hurt. And so now you need to come back. And there's a great, uh, I love the scripture where it says, you know, the righteous man, you know, it's not that he doesn't fall. It's just that no matter how often he falls, he gets back up again. Like he, he just never stays down. So healing for me means 
a willingness to go through that process of coming back. You know, a lot of people, it's funny, like they go someplace, right? Like to find healing, like you go to a, you know, a yoga retreat or like people who want to feel better. They, you know, light some candles, sing some songs. And all of that is so helpful for healing. As long as it allows you, it affords you the ability to, you know, go deep inside, right? Because I have to get to a quiet place with with God where I I am feeling the pain of what needs to heal. I am processing all of that pain. And sometimes, you know, healing is seen as this like, oh, I got to feel those good feelings. And, but, you know, the freedom does not come. The freedom from the pain only comes if you allow yourself to experience it in all of its forms, right? Whether it's grief over a loss or it's, you know, pain from a relationship or, you know, whatever it is, if you're not willing to feel it, you won't heal it. On episode 31, we welcome my GOAT therapist, greatest of all time, Brian Ross. Um, Brian's been in the helping profession of social work and therapy for many years, 36 years now to be exact. He talked about therapy from a Christian point of view, but Brian is not a Christian counselor. He's a a therapist who is a Christian and uh, therefore... He's not approaching the work of doing therapy from, uh, you know, a strictly biblical point of view, but accesses faith as well as the skills of, of secular therapy. Um, I was disappointed to learn this last week that Brian's retiring and uh, moving, wow. on to, yeah, moving on to some healing measures of his own, doing some golfing and um, caring for his grandchildren, so uh, doing some good self-care. Congrats to Brian. That's right. What healing means is that the person is better at recognizing symptoms in the problem, and they are better at using their own and other resources for dealing with the problem. I explained to people in the speech that I mentioned before that the goal of therapy is to fire Brian is to get to the point where you don't need to come see me as often or at all for an extended period of time or if ever again. And that basically means you've gotten to the point that while the problem is still there, you see it, you handle it, you face it more effectively on your own or with the resources you have, whether that be friends, family, medication, whatever, and you can work through that. On episode number 32, we welcome Rayleigh. Um, I met Rayleigh as a um, In Our Own Voices NAMI presenter, where we share our stories and offer hope for people impacted by mental illness, namely uh, parents and loved ones. Um, Rayleigh was a Marine veteran and uh, experienced a uh, if you want to call it a break or an episode of schizophrenia during his service and um, at one time in his life was homeless has come a long way and had a unique perspective on healing as he is an advocate and speaks in various places with veterans and Mm -hmm. uh, hospitals and prisons and 
uh, a lot of places sharing his own story and uh, showing that uh, by sharing our stories, there can be healing. Yeah, you know, he, he spoke about how pivotal it was to stop drinking alcohol. That's right. And other recreational drugs had really taken a huge toll on uh, his mental health and, you know, exasperating his schizophrenia. Rayleigh is African-American, right, and um, goes into uh, prisons also to speak with, with folks who are dealing with mental mental illness. So very dynamic man and a huge advocate. Healing, I think he is recovery. Recovery is self-centered. Healing is self-centered. Uh, but it don't hurt to have a doctor to help you. And specifically a doctor that you can trust. Uh, trust and feel comfortable with. It's about me. I can't heal Tony. I cannot heal Eric. Mm. I can help heal me. Okay. All right. So it's all about what I need to do to keep me. Personal responsibility. And accountability. Personally, you know, personal matter. In episodes 33, 34, and 36, we have a series of podcasts about the pandemic, passing peace in a pandemic, praying through a pandemic, and pain in the pandemic. And uh, these are pretty raw episodes. We were doing them, I think, every other week there for, uh, you know, in March and April, and really, uh, you know, talking about our personal experiences and, you know, what we saw in the news going on in the world in general, and, you know, talking about how we, we can have self-care and, you know, be able to get through these times while not really negatively impacting our mental health. Yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty. There still is, but especially at the beginning of the pandemic and not knowing what it was about or how long it would last, the lockdown and um, what this would mean in terms of the number of uh, cases and deaths and speculating on that. And um, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and not knowing just where healing would come from. I found a, a poem, Lockdown, that was written early on in this period that Eric has uh, prepared to play. Um, and I think it, it's a very good expression of where we were and where we have been and still are in many ways. Great poem. You know, one thing from this series of podcasts I remember talking about the most was just going out for a hike and, you know, some of the indecision I had of if that was even okay to go out alone on a hike, you know, in the right. pandemic. Right. You know, but how good that was for me to be out there in the woods in the spring all on my own and how healing that was. And I will say that kind of spirit of being in the outdoors has carried me throughout this year and helped me maintain my mental health. It's called Lockdown by Richard Ken Hendrick. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's isolation. Yes, there's panic buying. Yes, there's sickness. Yes, there's even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. 
They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to, be, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that, yes, there's fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there's isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there's panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there's sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen behind the factory noises of your panic. The birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. On episode 37, we welcome Les Rust. Les and I met in seminary many moons ago, and we now, in the pandemic, Les moved on to become a pastor in Tennessee. And since March, maybe a little after that, we've uh, after our time of Jesus in Java, we sit down about <laughs> 6 a.m. and uh, message each other with uh, how we are doing and uh, in our ministries and him as a pastor, me as a writer and prayer. Um, Les talks in this episode and in his reflection on healing about the importance of storytelling and how each of our stories impact our perception of uh, where we are and uh, how we are in terms of our faith and in terms of coping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a really cool guy. You know, mm -hmm. at the end, he was talking about how he actually makes his own hammocks. That's right. In the bio he sent us, he wrote, he is fond of music, mirth, and at least a little bit of mayhem. Yes, so that, it's a yeah, lot of not fun. Only, not only does Les make hammocks, but he recently made his own ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be sharing this one great big global story of going through this pandemic. So we're all going to be part of the same story, even if our little parts are different. And hopefully when we get towards what we see is the end of this story. It's going to be a story of how we faced a time of tremendous crisis and difficulty and distress. And we, through uh, resources that we shared with one another, through our emotional and spiritual resources, we 
came together in ways that made us more whole, both as individuals and as a society and as a world. That needs to be part of the story we aim towards. And if we get through this and we can find the ways to tell and share that story, um, then I think that will be that will be healing for a lot of folks, maybe healing for us all. On episode 38, Leslie Carpenter joined us. Leslie is uh, uh, plays a number of roles. Uh, I've met her again through her work with the uh, advocates for persons with mental illness. Uh, she is the mother of a young man um, with schizophrenia, and she's been the president of her local NAMI, uh, but also uh, plays an important role in lobbying for issues of uh, caring for mental illness. Uh, she lives in Iowa, and during the presidential candidacy met all of the Democratic candidates, which at that time was about 28. And uh, interestingly, she did speak of President-elect Joe Biden and how, uh, while he did not at that time have a clear mental health policy, she uh, shared with him her story of a son with mental illness. And she found President-elect Biden to be a good listener, and the next time she ran into him, he even asked about her son and uh, mm -hmm. demonstrated great compassion. Um, one of the things Leslie talked about on the program was uh, the need for mental health courts to see that uh, people with this diagnosis of mental illness are not treated as criminals, but instead receive the the necessary treatment and care that will make a difference in their lives and the lives of the community. Yes. You know, at the end of this uh, episode, she actually shares that her son, when he's doing better, uh, he likes to give her snickerdoodles out to <laughs> his caregivers right. and some, you know, fellow patients. And so I put the recipe in the show notes, and I made him a couple times, and a, a guy from our church, he loves those snickerdoodles, so thank you, Leslie. So for our son, what I think healing would be is I'd love to get him to the point where he can at least gain the insight between staying on medications and staying stable and out of the hospital. I know that he may gain full insight. I've been reading uh, Xavier Amador's book, I'm Not Sick, I Don't Need Help, and that's been really informative. Mm. I wish I had known to read that like a decade ago, but I didn't. Um, we constantly are learning, and I love that. For him, that's the insight that I hope for him to gain and to get to the point where he can engage in some type of hobby, some type of maybe work or volunteer work where he can find meaning um, and feel like he's contributing in some way that gives him some semblance of peace and happiness. That's great. Um, yeah, so that's our goal. Now for the nation and the world of mental health care and, and for the care of people with serious brain disorders, oh, I would love to see it truly. I'd love to see that continuum of care be expanded all across the nation. On episode 39, we have my friend Rachel Cavate. She is here in Columbus as a landscape architect and has been 
working with me, you know, for th about three years on pollinator park projects. Um, she talks about healing as the restoration of connection, not only between, you know, individuals, but between people and nature. Uh, she, you know, really intentionally does her work to design places that will, you know, inspire and promote wellness, right? So, uh, you know, I really appreciate her value she places on native plants and restoring our, our community through her, her profession. It's been neat for me to meet, uh, just, well, to see how God is moving Eric in this realm of nature and mental health and um, plants. Uh, and Rachel, as you say, was has been part a partner in this in this journey and so i really listened and learned a lot on this episode so thanks rachel you know i'm thinking about times when i have needed to heal i was able to do that through i think restoring connections with connecting again with maybe people that um like family or loved ones is something that is important when I'm healing, a lot of times when I'm feeling depressed or anxious, it's when I'm feeling disconnected from people um, or disconnected even from the environment. Like I feel a strong connection, you know, with my surroundings. I think that's probably why I went into my field. Of, you know, that has to do with changing our surroundings for the better. I hope finding connections in nature um, or through people and restoring those connections is really the way that I have found, you know, my ability to heal. On episode 40, uh, we don't actually have a clip of what does healing mean to you. Uh, to Tony's already, you know, had an episode focused on that much earlier in season one. But I did want to call it out here just because on episode 40, uh, you know, we focus on the release of Tony's new book, When Despair Meets Delight. So, Tony, I know it's been a huge year for you. You released the book in September. Um, any, any words on how things are going so far? Well, the writing of the book was very healing for me. I needed to uh, express the further journey that I've been on in personally in my own mental health and mental illness, um, and also reach out to people that have impacted me in, in my journey and that I think I've impacted through my writing and other forms of, um, you know, Faithful Friends Support Group, our podcast here, uh, and other Hope for Troubled Minds Facebook community. So it's been a very healing process for me, and I, I think others as well. Well, we're up to the present, uh, episode 41 and 42, you know, we just released in October, and uh, they were both Sybil Towner, and our, our conversation with her on our original interview was just so wide ranging uh, that we forgot to ask our key question. So I, I had to call her up again later that week to, to specifically talk about her response to what does healing mean to you. And so episode 42, you know, is a, a deep dive into her thoughts and you know, I can't say enough about Sybil. I met her while at her retreat center near Oldenburg, Indiana. Um, she has years of experience uh, at College Hill Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati and also Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. But really the thread throughout, I think, has been her counseling and her, I would call it radical hospitality. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think her mission now is very much focused on helping other, you know, faith leaders uh, not be burnt out in their ministry, but to be able to have a, you know, a passion that is consistent and, and helps heal each of us. I was actually inspired after this episode to schedule a, a spiritual direction session with Sybil and had a very good uh, experience with that and felt uh, somewhat refreshed, although I think I'm just at the very beginning of a new chapter of my life and it'll take time, but she was she was a good uh, encourager in that respect. Good. And sometimes it's not all at once. But the thing I like, this is a quote by Florum Flossum Wilmer in healing. And, and so much of healing has to do, I think, with forgiveness. So that's a very strong connection for me. She says, we step in to the forgiveness that has already been given. So in Christ, it's done, but it takes my body sometimes a number of years to experience that. There's a story told of a man during World War II who deflected from his troops and went into the jungle in the Philippines and hid and came out 20 years later not knowing that the war had been called was over. And that's how some of us live. We don't know it's over. And so I think that journey of overness of the power and the goodness and grace and healing of Christ is something we have to live into out of the context of who we are and the growth of our image of God. Well, there you have it, Tony. Um, We're talking healing throughout 2019 and 2020, certainly a time where we need healing, and uh, you know, I can't say enough about how um, working you know, with you and you know, these interviews have been a real source of support for my mental health. I'm just thankful for it. You know, it, it is Thanksgiving season, and um, you know, this podcast has been a, a real help for me this year, and uh, you know, being able to see you uh, get through this year, the loss of your father, of course, is has been, you know, difficult. But I, I think you've really had had some joy remembering your father's joy and the way you spoke about that on a couple of episodes is really touching. It's been a wonderful experience for me, and we've talked about healing on this episode, and I think this podcast and, like you said, it's been to meet people who are involved in ministries of healing and to work with you and see how God is directed your life in terms of healing in nature and in in that form of ministry. Um, you know, those voices of uh, healing um, have, have inspired me and kept me going through some hard times. Yeah. And thank you to our listeners. Yes. And we hope that you have a wonderful season, whether you are now in Thanksgiving or the holiday season and that every day would be a, a healing moment for you. Tony, our show has come to a close. Now is the time to ask for five-star reviews. 
please scroll to the bottom of our podcast homepage, click on five stars, then click on write a review. Help us reach more people seeking emotional healing and the hope of faith. Thanks again for your support of Revealing Voices. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. Lord, thank you for um, all these wonderful people we've had the opportunity to meet, either here in studio or over Zoom over the last couple of years, and uh, just the opportunity to, you know, really focus on their responses to what does healing mean to you, and how refreshing that can be for us and for our listeners. Um, thank you for just another year of being able to to do this together and help it to be a fruitful time that other people can get a lot of uh, perspective out of and appreciate really the many ways that we can heal and the many ways that um, you know people draw strength from from this kind of um, dialogue. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.